You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. If you couldn't guess by now, our trusty host, Dalton, is no longer with us. But let's not be that dramatic. We might hear from him this episode. He's being replaced only temporarily by yours truly, one Zayerman Isaiah. I am stepping in. I'm back. I've been on a slight hiatus doing a little bit of special research in Florida as well as Hawaii. Living the dream. And what I'm seeing, ladies and gentlemen, is that it is nice in both of those places. They are nice places. And if you have the chance, I highly recommend you take a visit. Uh, we got a special episode today. We're pretty excited. Uh, we have a skeleton squad, but the content will be there. Don't worry. I'm joined by probably our most reliable member of the podcast, one Lucas Hansen. Lucas, how we doing? Shout out to Man Weave. Excited to get it rolling. The other two might have to have another conversation. Second offense by uh, the colonel here. I know Dalton's still only on his first, so... We all get one, then it's downhill from there. So, Agreed. I would say maybe we give Kern an excused absence this week because he's you know, going through some life changes, uh, making kind of a big move. Maybe we'll give him a pass this week. But I would say... Yeah, I'll allow it. Yeah. Personally, though, Dalton missing is almost unexcusable, for, especially for a vacation for pleasure. I think that's just egregious. And uh, How dare he? Yeah, I would never... I would never want to be a part of a podcast with a guy who does that. So we'll just leave it at that. We'll move forward. Like I said, though, we might be hearing from him this week. Get that golden honey voice into your ears, ladies and gentlemen. So it's been an uh, interesting week in Minnesota sports. We've got um, Twins kind of made national news this week in a bad way. Um, Wild are in the thick of a playoff uh, battle with the Vegas Knights. Um, Wolves season ended and uh, the NBA playoffs have started. So I think we should start probably with the Wild, don't you think, Lou? They're down, uh, as, we, as we record right now, they're down 3-1 to the Vegas Knights, going back to Vegas. Uh, need Back to Vegas, yep. A must-win game, right? A must-win game. Elimination game, yep. We're facing a gentleman's sweep, as some may call it. The 4-1 victory Yep. So. Series has not uh, really played out in the way that I think a lot of Wild fans had hoped. Uh, there was a lot of uh, good things, I thought, after the first game. It was a really well-played one nothing game. Uh, tons of chances. Ryan Hartman was all over the ice that night. It was, it was a lot of fun to see him uh, getting... I mean, he had, like, every time I looked up, it was like, Ryan Hartman, breakaway. Uh, if only I had a little bit more finishing ability, we probably didn't need to go to overtime in that one, but uh, found a good bounce go the wild way, and they pick up game one on the road. Uh, I don't know about you, Lou. I was feeling pretty optimistic with the way that they played that game. I was. Uh, I was very excited about my wild and six take. Does not look like that is going to happen unless by some miracle, some uh, one of those Literally last can't. games somehow gets gets four. Literally for can't some, happen. For some reason, but... <laughs> You know, it uh, would truly have to be a miracle for the Wild to win this one in six. You know, I mean, Phil Mickelson just won the PGA Championship at age fifty, so anything can happen, right? So. Anything can happen, folks. Even math itself being turned on its head. Yep. And then game two uh, had a semi-promising start. 
Wild were looking again like they were playing pretty well. Um, things fell apart for them in that one. They lose that 3-1 after being up one nothing in that game. Uh, it, it, you score a goal and then give it back up about 30 seconds later. That hurts. I think that was... Um, it was a huge momentum shift in the series because at that point, the Vegas Knights hadn't scored yet in the series and it kind of opened the floodgates for them. Um, and then they really found their stride in game three where they were just destroying the wild in transition. They were way faster. Uh, it was like every mistake that the wild made in the offensive zone turned into a three on one break. It was just it was it was tough. The wild were not uh, playing at the same speed as the Knights in that one, and I think that's always been the worries with this series going in. Is that that is a uh, real strong suit of Vegas's as they do play really fast through the neutral zone, um, and the Wild sometimes don't keep up with teams that do that. Um, they needed to kind of slow the pace down a little bit, and uh, they were kind of able to for the better half of the start of the series. But uh, Game Three, it really really opened up. Tuck and Stone have been stellar this series and it's been it's been too much for the wild and uh i don't know lou i guess i gotta go hand up right i was gonna say yep uh mark andre Fleury has risen from the dead ever since that tweet of yours went out a couple months ago <clears throat> yeah saved 112 of 116 shots through the first four games this uh this series which is it's tough to win win a series when a goalie's only given up four goals in four games. So, I mean, hats off to him. He's playing unreal. Shout out to you. Tough one for the team. But uh, maybe maybe we can turn it around. Maybe fire one off here before game five. Get the maybe uh, maybe something positive for the Wild might get them going rather than trying to hurt Flurry or the other team. I like that, Lou. Preach positivity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That might have been one of my worst tweets ever, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I was really wrapped up in the moment in the middle of the season and things were looking good and it's been rough since. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, I'm sorry to the wild. Gotta shoot your shot. To the wild Shooters fan base. Gotta shoot. If they end up losing this series and Flurry goes, you know, it's my fault. I'll, I'll resign from my post as wild tweeter. I won't do it anymore. Uh, uh, that's probably not true, but if I'm asked to by enough people, I will. But really, it's been kind of everything that the Wild had hoped would happen for uh, the Wild, essentially. They thought, I mean, we kind of talked about it a lot. Connor, I always mention it. You get a hot goalie, you can do a lot yeah. of things in the playoffs. And it's just unfortunately happening against the Wild right now. So And uh, yeah, I mean, they were the Wild were playing really well, kind of going into the, the stretch here. We were obviously, we've talked about it many times. We just dominated vegas night in night out and then it looks like they're kind of got tired of it and uh vegas they're taking it to us right now so uh really hoping for a little magic but uh you know why not us why not us i don't think anyone has said that ever before so come on wild why not us wow coining new phrases on this week's episode really fun stuff uh i guess i would disagree i think the wild kind of limped into the playoffs but that can be uh, a discussion for another day because we don't know how this thing's going to shake out. We still got game four tonight, game five tonight. That game will be played before this podcast comes out. So I'm going to give um, one, two, two statements and I'll just put the right one in. So wild, wild win. Way to go. We got, we got a game six scheduled. Dang wild. That was tough. Good season guys. Vegas was too much. Hmm. No shame in a loss to a good team, a hard fought. There you go. Wait, hey, way to get him. 
All right, that should cover all our bases, don't you think, Lou? I think we're good there, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I think we are going to leave the wild there. We'll pick it up next week after their season is either over or continuing. Uh, we will see. But we're going to move now to baseball. I say baseball because it's been kind of a interesting week for baseball. Um, the Twins were kind of wrapped up in a little bit of a scandal. They kind of come out, you know, what do you think, Lou? Like once or twice a year, there's a unwritten rules debate that re-sparks least, in baseball. Yeah. This one is, I'm just, I'm really on the fence on this. I guess I'm not really even on the fence this one. So for those of you that don't know what we're referencing, uh, a few nights ago, the Twins were absolutely getting manhandled by the White Sox yet again. Uh, and the fan favorite, La Tortuga, Asadio is out there throwing 46 mile an hour fastballs. And uh, Mercedes, I believe it was, on the White Sox, takes a giant 3-0 hack when they're up. I don't even remember how many runs. It was It was too many to count. And he ends up hitting a home run. And after that, I believe it was the next night, Tyler Duffy throws behind him and inevitably gets tossed. Uh, Rocco is upset. The Twins are upset. Um, actually, the White Sox manager, Tony La Russa, is upset as well. Very upset. Very upset. He said they're going to take, I believe he said they're going to handle the situation internally and he's going to be some punished somehow. And it's like, I just don't get it. He's a position player in a game that doesn't matter. This is a guy who, I mean, he's, he's as hot as anybody. He's obviously he's going to swing the bat. I mean, what, what do you just want to roll over and die? Like you're just, who cares? It's professional baseball. It's not like we're trying to, we're not playing with feelings here who it's not if you're worried about a guy swinging at a 3-0 pitch and running up the score put a real pitcher in the game it's a position player I don't understand what all the uproar is that he's swinging 3-0 against a guy he needs to pad his stats I think I want to say Mercedes has been in the minors for quite a long time he needs to put stats up he's trying to get a contract he's doing all this stuff I mean he's got to make him make his his way right so I am not a fan of this specific outburst by the twins and everything. And, but I'm sure there are plenty of people on the other side of the argument. So we have uh, Dalton actually was pretty fired up about this. So he has something he wants to say. Dalton, take it away. If you're ready to get angry, you've come to the right place. It's time now for a mini rant presented by Tellum Sports. What up, guys? I am currently in Costa Rica. But I've got some thoughts on my mind that I thought I wanted to share. I'm a little sleep-deprived. Maybe you guys are going to talk about this anyway. But I wanted to get some takes on the record before this is old news. Um, so earlier this week, I think Twins fans saw when Williams Estudillo was pitching against the White Sox and the White Sox German Mercedes took a huge G-hack and took Estudillo deep on a 3-0 count. And then a bunch of Twins people, namely Rocco Baldelli, the manager, and uh, some other guys, got super pissed off that Mercedes took a 3-0 hack against a position player pitching, 
And I'm just, it actually made me mad. I love the Twins, but it pissed me off. These stupid unwritten rules. Like, I know a couple weeks ago we talked about rule changes that would make baseball more exciting. Here's one. Throw out the unwritten rule book. This is absolute garbage. I mean, Rocco, if you're pissed about the White Sox taking swings against a position player, put in a real pitcher. You can't complain. You're down 15-4 and you throw out a... 46 mile an hour fastball throwing Williams Astadio. You have no right to be angry. It makes zero sense. When the Twins are playing an interleague game and the Twins pitchers have to hit, does Rocco get pissed when opposing pitchers throw their hardest against Twins pitchers because the Twins pitchers are out of position hitting? No, guys are trying their hardest. It's the MLB. What does he want? Does he want the White Sox to go up there trying to take walks against Astadio? Is that what we want? Is that exciting? Does that make Twins fans happy? Does that make Rocco happy? And I think the biggest indictment of it all is when, when Tony Larusa comes out and says, "Oh, Mercedes was confused. It was, you know, it was poor judgment on his part." I don't think anyone in America should ever be listening to anything Tony Larusa says. I think we're well past that point in society. I think he's run his course. But anyway, it just made me really mad. And as a Twins fan, I, I want to support the Twins, but I think I just think it's dumb. It's plain dumb. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Okay, Dalt, that was uh, spirited, I'd say. Um, I, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I think I agree with a lot of points you made. I kind of had a question here for Lou. I think I, something I've seen come out with this a lot is that it's like different for professional sports. These types of unwritten rules, like the game changes when it's professional. Um, and I, I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like... If you're going to have a guy in there who's not capable of pitching 3-0 or like in a game and he's up 3-0 and he throws a juicy one, like I don't care what level you're at. You can swing away. Like it just doesn't matter. Like there should not be a count. And I understand it's this whole like antiquated gentleman's thing, but there is no such thing in my mind as a count. We are not allowed to play the game. He's just playing the game of baseball. And the way I think about it, you're already giving that game up, right? You're completely rolling over and dying saying we lost this game because I'm putting a position player in the, in the game in that situation. So who cares if there's one more run on the board or whatever it is like you're already, you've already accepted the loss. How do you, how are you getting upset that they're beating you more? I mean, it just, it almost seems just stupid to me that they're, they're so upset about this. There should be a rule at that point. If like, you don't want to play the game anymore. You should just be able to quit. Like, okay, we're done after seven. We don't right. have any more pitchers. We don't Put want the to 10 do run it. rule in. Yeah, like, exactly. It doesn't, if you're going to get this mad about you having a position player in and them still playing the game of baseball, when it's you, in fact, the twins who are no longer playing the game of baseball the normal way, you can't get that upset when somebody swings. And what do you want them to do? Take a walk? It just makes the game longer. Or do you just exactly. want, are you just asking them, begging them, pleading to the other team? Like, hey, will you all just roll over to the shortstop? Like, that's ridiculous, too. I think it's uh, I think it's a totally embarrassing display by the Twins, honestly. Like, to get that mad about this and to be this shitty all season and to have this be the one thing that you're national news for, you're supposed to be competing with the White Sox to win the division. Instead, you're... 15 games under 500 and it's not even the end of may and you're getting destroyed by your should-be rival and then you're going to throw a hissy fit because you have williams ostadio throwing 45 mile an hour ephesus and a guy had the audacity to smack the shit out of one 
come on. It's if you're going to do that, why look. not just put it on a tee for him? Like, it's this is your fault, Rocco, both for putting him out there and then making a big deal out of it. Yeah, just let it slide. And the Larusa, I agree. Like Larusa, like dude, oh, you got like, the that's one of the your guy. Teams. It's your team. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, it's that... it is interesting because Rocco is considered kind of a new school guy, yeah. right? Yeah. And Tony Larusa is clearly a very very old school guy. And to see that they're on the same side of this is is kind of funny. I know. I wonder how much of it Rocco just said just to like try to protect his guys, but like I'm kind of surprised he did that. If that's the sole reason, I. You can protect your guys in other ways, but mm. the whole Tony Larusa thing is very, very strange. Yeah, it kind of. Uh, well, remember last year, the similar thing happened with Tatis in San Diego. He hit a three L Grand Slam, and it was his coach who was the most upset. And I yeah. think that's like a boys' club mentality of between the coaches of like, hey man, like they make this big show because they're like, I we're not like they're saying we're not intentionally trying to like really run up the score against you guys to the other team's manager. And I think that's like a respect thing, but it's also like, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, here, you know, it really here's doesn't what I was matter. thinking. What's more disrespectful, that 3-0 swing and home run or just bunting and giving them the out at the professional level, at any level? I mean, yeah. it just feels terrible. Like if you're the team walloping the other team and your coach says, oh, go hit the opposite handed or go, oh, go miss first base or, or bunt the ball and get out like. I feel like that's almost more disrespectful than giving the guy a legitimate shot to get you out. Agreed. I mean, we played in a joke of a league in high school. You and I did Minneapolis baseball league shout out Washburn Millers. But I mean, we know that feeling of like that would happen like twice a week when you're playing a team that just didn't have like a legitimate team and you'd be up by 15 in the third inning. And so the 10 run rule isn't even an effect, but you just want the game to be over. So your coach is like, Hey, just hit ground, like just strike out on purpose. And it's like, Swing it's a everything. bad yeah, feeling it's... like it just doesn't feel right like that's not well, that's, in the spirit of competition yeah. so like i would much rather see a guy swing away than a guy purposefully getting out and these guys are getting paid to do that they want baseball to be more exciting home runs are exciting walks are not exciting position players on the mound kind of exciting i like it personally yeah, i but, know you do so <laughs> But yeah, this whole thing was just felt like it was blown way out of proportion. And it's not like he disrespected Asadio either. I mean, he watched it for half a second and then he ran around the bases. It wasn't like he stood and waited for it to land and then bat flipped and then stared him down all his way around the bases. Like I went back just to watch it just to make sure. And he just took one step, started jogging. That's about as classy as you can get i mean uh, and credit to him for hitting a 46 mile an hour ephus out yeah like you do center. ground out to short way more often than you do what he did hit a dead center bomb so i probably personally would have pimped it a lot more than he did <laughs> and i agree i think by today's standards what he did rounding the bases was docile like that was nothing so i would have been like i would have been dmx like or dx and i would have been dx and all over everybody cha -cha -cha, let's go like <laughs> slap the chest throw the arm up, look at the other team. Like that's how you get in trouble. But like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, I agree. So I think, I don't know. You got anything else? I'd say we just leave it at that. Like, yeah, I think that's plenty. I think many, many other people have, have said their piece on it. And I think it just, it's time to just move past it. Agreed. It's a, it's going to be a, a blip on the ultimate radar, but uh, a kind of embarrassing showing. Mm -hmm. the twins and uh, so you brought up bunting so that kind of brings us to our next baseball grab bag topic 
uh, bunting against the shift. This is kind of a an interesting thing because it has essentially existed. This idea of like bunt against the shift has existed since the shift's inception of if you're a left-handed hitter and the, the shift has happened in the infield where you've pulled and now it's where the shortstop is the guy playing the whole left side of the infield, but he's way up towards the middle. You have the third baseman a lot of times behind second base. You've got your second baseman in right field and your first baseman uh, hugging the line and pretty deep. So it leaves the entire left side of the field essentially wide open. And every time you hit a ground ball into the shift, everybody's like, well, why don't you just bunt just against the bunt shift? It over. Yep. Just bunt against the shift. Just drop that one down there and you'll get on every single time. And then they'll stop shifting you. And the debate still exists today. Like, I think the Twins, is it Smalley? I think he brings it up almost every single time Kepler hits. And he's always like, well, why don't you just bunt? Why don't you just bunt? And I was thinking about it, and there's a couple of reasons. One, a lot of the guys who are, traditionally, a lot of the guys who have been getting shifted are in the major leagues because they're power hitters, and they hit the ball out of the, out of the park. Mm -hmm. And so to give up the potential to hit a home run for a bunt, you don't necessarily like that trade-off. It's, it's kind of fits with the, if you're just talking about the twins, it's the twins mentality of home runs are better than singles. So why would you have a guy take away the opportunity of hitting a home run or a double or a triple for a, a single? That would be one reason you don't do it. Two, I think is because as we know, uh, pitchers pitch into the shift a lot of the time. So it, it pitches into the strength of the hitter. Uh, they try to push it a little bit more. So shifted hitters pull the ball a lot, like the lefties especially like the ball down and in. So pitchers are going to throw the ball down and in, but they're going to try to make it either more down or more in where they're going to ground out and then they'll go soft away, that kind of thing. So they'll throw soft on the outside of half the plate, try to get guys to roll over and they'll pound hard and hard sliders down and in, that kind of thing. So, um, but if they make mistakes when they're doing those pitches down and in, it's a, it's a great opportunity for a hitter who loves that pitch to hit something out. But then for me, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know about this, Lou. Like, if you think every single hitter who is in the major leagues was the best kid on their team their entire life. They literally grew up probably being the far and away best player on their team their entire life. We both played baseball our whole lives. And if you're the best player on the team, what does that mean? You don't bunt. You don't bunt. You hit two, you three. Never bunt. You hit three, four, five in the lineup your entire life. You never have to bunt. You're not bunting for hits. You're not bunting for sacrifice. You're there to hit the ball in the gaps, to drive runs in. Like you've never been asked to bunt. You probably really don't ever really practice bunting your entire baseball career. And bunting, just like hitting, is a skill. Like you have to practice it. You don't. It, I think that's the thing that gets lost in this whole like, well, just bunt, just bunt. It's like, Maybe they're not good at bunting. And Never I mean, it's it. got to be tough to, when you're seeing, say, mid-90s up and in. I mean, it's pretty tough to probably get that pushed, not just down the third baseline, but you have to get it far enough still past the pitcher's mound so it's just not an easy out for the pitcher to make. Um, I think there's only one like really cool bunt highlight that I've ever seen when it was Robinson Cano a while back where he actually got a double half of it. Cause he did like a little half bunt swing and just tapped it right down the third baseline and ended up getting a double. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting a, if we're talking doubles now, yeah, now we're, we're, we're getting somewhere, but I mean, I agree with you completely a little single, like if you're a power hitter, like Kepler, like a big guy that always comes to mind for me is David Ortiz would get shifted all the time. 
And what was he there for? Hitting home runs. That's it. Like it's all, that's literally all he did. So, I mean, I think a big part of it too, is a good point that you made is, is the ego on these guys. They've literally never had to bunt. They're in the majors to hit hitting, got them to the majors. So like, what yeah. are we doing? That's like, yeah. that's just what they're thinking. They're like, yeah. no, I'm not going to bunt. No, I'll, I'll hit through the shift. Like I can get through this. I would probably think the same way, but I, I bring yeah. up Max Kepler specifically for the twins because he did not get shifted right away in his career. And he had a lot more success, especially for average before he started getting shifted. Once the shift was implemented against him, it's actually been really effective because he gets a lot of hits up the middle that are being essentially taken away because the shortstop or the third baseman is standing right up the middle. So he's really, really struggled against it. And I feel like, and you brought up the Robinson Cano thing, which I love because that's what I'm thinking about for like a guy like Kepler's, like if he could really work on this, if you know, like bunting, if you're going to bunt the opposite way of you. So if he's a lefty and he's going to bunt down the third baseline, I always thought it was easier to bunt inside pitches the other way personally i always felt like that was a little bit easier because you don't have to like be out as far out over the plate um and you can really angle that bat and like it's almost like you're placing it perfectly and it's closer to your face like you really have a like better recognition of the pitch and everything like that so if he can really perfect that and work on two things one is a like a pop bunt that he could push into the outfield not just down the line like down the line into the outfield if he could get something with enough juice on it to go that far, like a little half swinging bunt thing. That's a double every time. And then you get the guy who's supposed to be there is going to start shifting further towards the third baseline. Then you drop in the traditional push bunt, which you push past the pitcher, which that guy had the shortstop had just vacated that position slightly. So you hit him two ways and that will eventually hopefully Bring him all the way back. Slide that guy up the middle back a little bit. If you do it enough times, if we have not seen it in baseball, a guy like totally commit to just saying, F you, if you shift me, I'll bunt every time. We haven't seen it. And I I think it'd be interesting. I'm hoping Shohei Otani did it the other night. They shifted him and he just said, thanks, I'll take my hit. Hey, he could be the one. He could could be it. He does everything his own way anyways. Literally, he does everything well, including bunting, apparently. So, (laughs) What what can't the guy do? But yeah, I just think it'd be really cool to see one guy. And I think Max Kepler could be the guy to just totally commit to being the heel against shifts. Just bunt every time and perfect those two bunts. One power bunt down the third baseline and one push bunt past, past the pitcher. They'd never get you out. And uh, so there's been six no-hitters in baseball this year, and there were eight in all of last year. And uh, so it sparked the topic because this offseason, as we all know, they kind of tinkered with the baseballs yet again. Uh, A lot of people are saying they maybe over-tinkered and have uh, shifted the tides too heavily back towards pitchers uh, in the least interesting development for a game that's trying to boost viewership i don't know why you would want fewer home runs but i guess they decided they didn't like the way that the game was trending uh so it has become a kind of debate here is that the the balls are too nerfed which is not a good sign if you're the twins bullpen because if you're saying that the balls are nerfed something's wrong with the twins bullpen. it's extra wrong yeah imagine what they would have been when those babies were juiced holy cow we might not even win a game But it, it, for me, so I saw this on Twitter and it's a thing that I've been thinking about. I can't remember who tweeted it, but they, they basically were like, is it the balls or is it the approach by the hitters? And I've been 
thinking about this a lot, specifically with the Twins, because the Bomba squad has done really well for a couple of seasons, uh, but they always sputter out in the playoffs when I think, personally, I think the pitching gets more intense, everything's more focused, and when you have a home run or bust mentality as an offense, you don't, you're not able to put the pressure on the other team because you don't have guys on base ever. They're always pitching out of the stretch. Pitchers are never uncomfortable. And so this guy's point was like, this is a league-wide shift into every hitter is trying to hit bombs all the time. The pitchers are readjusting now, and they've learned how to pitch uh, against the launch angle type hitter. So they're attacking the upper part of the zone more often. And uh, so is this, do you think, Lou, maybe is this the start of the shift back? for hitting where you're like, you're going to have to start to see more manufactured runs. Honestly, I do. I think, I think they did have some sort of juiced ball and it was kind of the craze where all these, all these big power hitters were just hitting ungodly long home runs. And everyone was like, okay, well, this is just not fair. There, there's, I, at some point there was, you know, murmurs of another steroid era, even like some of these guys are just so big and strong and the pitching just can't keep up. And so I think, yeah, I think this dial back could lead to, I mean, in my mind, better baseball. It's more fun to watch as I'm a baseball guy, obviously. So I, I appreciate, you know, the hit and run, the steal, the bunt a little more than the average Joe. But um, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I love seeing the mammal home runs. But uh, yeah, I think I think they tried to have to even the odds a little bit. But at the same time, I'm thinking the pitchers are better than they've ever been. Even when they were giving up these huge home runs, they're throwing harder across the board as as they ever have. They have, I feel like, nastier stuff than they've ever had. And so, so I don't know. I, I feel like it was pretty good. I mean, if they were, especially if they were trying to make baseball popular again, dialing the ball back, probably not the way to do it. Ba- home runs, bad for baseball. <laughs> Quote from Lucas Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> I think also, I think you're right. Like pitchers have a lot more confidence and they're doing stuff we haven't seen before. And I think they're also, they've become less afraid to make mistakes because they've gotten so Mm -hmm. many home runs hit off of them, but they know the difference between a solo home run and a three run shot. So I think they've been more willing to attack hitters and less picky. Like I would love to see the stats probably could look it up about walks uh, across baseball, but I feel like pitchers are throwing with a lot more confidence and they're like, yeah, if you hit a home run off me, that's fine, but I'm still going to have a great day. Like if I only have one mistake that goes out and you know, you pitch six innings and you give up two runs, that's a good day. So, but if you walk three guys and then give up a home run, then, you know, it's a little trickier. So I think uh, it's been a shift in approach from pitchers, but aided by the baseballs, I guess. So let's now dive in a little bit deeper with our team, the twins. Um, we've seen a couple maybe good things trending for the Twins, one being the return of uh, this podcast's favorite player, Randy Dobnik, came, uh, came from St. Paul, got a spot start. He went six innings, three, three hits, five uh, Ks, two walks, and zero earned runs. It was a um, flash of brilliance Big from win. Dobnik. Yeah, something we really needed. Uh, so that was, how do you feel about Dobnik coming back, Lou? It was uh, it was good to see. His sinker was working. He was throwing the slider. I actually did get to watch a good chunk of that game, which was nice. Um, <clears throat> and he just he looked comfortable out there. And it was the guys obviously gave him some run support. We won ten nothing that day, so it, that certainly helps uh, give a pitcher confidence. And 
it was nice to see him kind of back in the starting role. I think uh, Dalton had a tweet. Yeah. I don't remember the exact I statistic he, he listed, but I yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, if uh, first of all, a little plug for Dalton. If you don't follow at Dalton uh, underscore Tellum on Twitter, I would say give him a follow. The guy likes to throw out pretty interesting stats, but he had uh, a Randy Dobnett career MLB stats. As a starter, he's a 3-1-3 ERA in uh, just over 70 innings and a 5-4 ERA in 23 innings as a reliever. His point being, give Randy the starts. He's a starter, not a, not a long inning reliever. He's always said Dobnik does better with a little more consistency in his life. And uh, he has not been getting any consistency in his role as a long inning reliever. He really just doesn't pitch often enough to get in a groove. So I think I do kind of like him as a starter. Because, you know, Schumacher and Hap have not been great this year. I think he could easily replace Hap either. especially lately yeah. is is pretty dicey. But another bright light for the Twins right now. Miguel Sano, after that that home run late inning uh, a couple couple days i guess it was a, maybe a week and a half ago or so uh we had talked about maybe that's going to spark something for him and it kind of looks like it has he's been pretty hot the last week or so uh a lot of big moments actually he had his first three home run game uh he had his 100th double he had his second grand slam that was all in the course of a week and uh, during that week, he hit 345, had three doubles, five home runs, seven runs scored, three walks. And of course, he did have three strikeouts, but over the course of a week, three strikeouts for Miguel Sano is essentially zero, I want to say. Yeah, you'll take that 10 out of 10. Yeah. That's a great week. So really good to see him him coming back, stepping up. It just the unfortunate thing this season is it feels like these guys are getting hot one at a time. One guy's playing really well, and then he kind of cools off, and then another guy comes up, and we can never really get two to three to four guys just playing pretty good ball all together at the same time. So, But it's promising. If he can... If he can stay consistent like this throughout the year, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, the biggest all. if of all time, and we all know that <laughs> it's probably not right. going to. But if he can get hot nope. enough for a while, he can round out some good season stats, and then uh, we can look back at it and say he had a decent year. <laughs> uh, yet again. Yep. And uh, so, Twins, again, uh, the extra inning struggles continue for the Twins. Well, actually, the latest game, we actually won in extra innings, true. believe it or it's not. True. We are now one in eight when it goes to extras. But at least we don't drag it on too much. We've actually yet to get to the 11th inning in an extra inning game. So we usually just get get right down to business and lose it in the uh, in the 10th. So at least they're not making us stay up too late. Uh, I did th- find it also a little interesting. We're... The Twins are really not great in seven inning games either. Those little double headers, they're one in five in those. So, which makes no sense because this team's biggest weakness is the bullpen. Is like, they fall apart at the end of the game. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I so they just they like nine, I guess. Te- not a seven get or ten. A man guys. who loves nine, get that nine inning game in my life. Nine or bust. Uh, last thing on the Twins, Aaron Gleeman from The Athletic had a tweet uh, this past week that no team in the past 100 years has lost 25 of their first 38 games and made the playoffs. Twins started 13 and 25, so I guess the season's over. Pack it up. 
what it cash it in it's been fun it's been a good ride yeah no nice try <laughs> i i think i think i mean something's gonna have to turn eventually earlier in the week gleeman had an article about the twins bullpen basically outlining how it's the worst bullpen in history statistically especially oh. with their like wins above replacement they're so far negative they've just been absolutely brutal as we know uh, and it's not just the eye test the advanced analytics and stats are telling us that that's exactly correct the twins bullpen is super super bad but is are they going to be that bad all year like eventually maybe they'll be con- like a little bit less bad and it will give this team a, like a spark if they can just figure out a guy to be in there in the ninth inning who's going to be you just need one guy from this bullpen to step up and be like I want that spot. Be the guy. I will. Yeah. Not, I'm looking for Taylor Rogers to be that guy. I think he needs to be that guy who's just going to say. It. I think everyone was hoping the for closer. him to be that guy. Agreed. All Agreed. season. Well, that's the no, thing. No, Colomay. They thought it was going to be Colomay, and so I think that true, was unfortunate for Rogers. And I always, I never loved the move from day one. Never loved it because I thought Rogers was going to have a big bounce back year. I'm not a fan of just not having like a closer, at least a guy who gets the majority of the closes, like. Because then that guy just knows his role. He knows what he's got to do. And now all these guys could potentially go in at any time, any day, like essentially. And I don't know. Maybe we're all just schedule guys on the Twins. Everybody likes their routine. <laughs> you got creatures of habit. It does. Creatures of habit. Let's maybe put Randy in the closing role. See what he can do. I definitely we'll don't have, love that idea. We'll have to ask Dalt about that <laughs> one, how he feels. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll go from one uh, apparent loser to another. The Wolves finished off their season. Bum, bum, oh. bum. Oh, they missed the playoffs. Uh Kind of a shocker, oh. tough. Um, but the focus for the end of the season was to finish strong. There was a lot of talk, uh, but internally, especially from uh, Finch and Towns and Edwards, especially about how they were going to play the end of the season out. They were going to do it right. They were going to play hard to end the season, and uh, they weren't going to rest guys. You saw that in the last few games. They were resting absolutely nobody. They were making no phony injuries. They were not tanking for a pick at all. And the results were decent. Um, it was good to see that the Wolves were trying, but it's like, shouldn't you be trying all year long? Like, why does it take? Little, too little, too late. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And the thing that kind of stood out to me is you really were only trying to do this for, say, the last 10 games of the year. So you really only needed to focus for this last 10 games of the year. And I'm not saying that the team should have gone 10-0. and 0. That's an unrealistic ex- expectation. And they did beat some decent teams. Uh, they did beat the Jazz again, and they beat the Mavericks to end the season. Um, but the thing that stood out the most for me is in, in the midst of all this conversation about how we're, we're playing out the rest of this season, we're going to be ultra-focused, we're going to bring it night in, night out, they still couldn't do that for like 10 games they couldn't focus enough for 10 games when there were the only conversation they were having was about how we're going to finish the season strong and they still went out and i'm there's one game in my mind that stands out specifically it was the celtics game and they laid an absolute egg and it's like this is this is the thing that the wolves have struggled with the most and it's taking teams for granted and i know for a fact they took the boston celtics for granted on may 15th because the celtics were missing 
three of their key players. They were missing Kemba Walker, they were missing Jalen Brown, and they were missing Marcus Starr. Those are three really, really good starters, and the Wolves got destroyed against the Celtics. They got embarrassed. And I knew for a fact, it's like you're talking the talk about how we're going to focus for every single game, and you can't, and we're not going to overlook any opponents, and, it's, and then they go and do exactly what they do most of the season when a team that's never really won anything, that has not earned a single thing in the Timberwolves, they go out and they take a team for granted like the Boston Celtics, a playoff team, and it's just because they didn't think that the guys suiting up across for them were of their same caliber. And guess what? It's the NBA. Anybody, if they're going to be playing hard versus a team that's not going to be playing hard, is they're professional get athletes. Exactly. Like- and my guy Peyton Pritchard had a pretty good game. Ducks. But that's not the point. The point is, the thing that I've been noticing a lot with the Wolves, and I think a lot of people have too, is that they start games very poorly a lot of the time. And it's really, really hard to play night in, night out, down, and down big. When you just get punched in the mouth to start every single game, your game plan kind of goes out of the window. Any confidence that you had going into the game goes out of the window, and you're always playing from behind. It's just not a good recipe for success. And I looked into it. And I looked at like, what's an average quarter in terms of scoring in the NBA? And it's 28 points. So I looked into the Wolves first quarters because I always thought the Wolves do not start games well. In the 72 games this season, in 60% of them, the Wolves gave up 30 or more points in the first quarter. So just worse than the league average to start the game in over in 60% yeah. of the games. <laughs> so, and it's not egregious, but there were a lot of quarters, first quarters where the Wolves gave up 35 to 40 points in the first quarter. And you just, you 10% of games, the Wolves gave up 40 points in the first quarter. It's just not a good recipe for success. And I think that's something that the team definitely needs to address next season. I think they're trending in the right direction. Uh, I think the, a good first step is that they are recognizing that they aren't always coming prepared to play but the next thing is you have to figure out how to come prepared to play every single game and that's the thing that I'll, we'll be looking for i think mostly for the wolves next year is like are they going to be ready to go every single night i like it sounds like you could have a potential consulting job for the for the wolves next season chris finch take, you heard it I'll here take any job this is all it- <laughs> <laughs> if any of our listeners are hiring yes, uh, uh, all inquiries uh, at the telling sports email no I don't know it's just it's just something I've been focused on with the wolves and it was like it was a little disappointing to be like okay you guys couldn't really focus enough for 10 games you just couldn't do it you had to take a night off against the Celtics a playoff team well, yeah that's that's the point that kind of stuck out to me was they haven't earned anything, but yet they expect to win games. Like yeah. they were terrible before the All Star break. Terrible. And they started to pick it up a little bit there, but like just because you win a couple games doesn't mean anything. Like just because you have mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the rookie of the year doesn't mean anything. You have Carl Anthony Towns, whoever. It's like you still have to go out and win. It's like, are you guys just looking forward to being done for the season? Maybe they're just so drained. But like, again, you're professional athletes. Like, what are we doing here? You play this game for supposedly the love of the game and the want to win, but maybe some of them are just there for the cash. Who knows? 
Gonna have to reevaluate. We've got basketball guys in the room. Yeah, they got how many Latrell I'm pointing to my heart, team. by the way. Heart presence. That's what we need. Uh, it's interesting you said rookie of the year, Luke, because that's been a big debate this season in the NBA. And I agree, Ant is Shouldn't my be. rookie of the year as well as yours, and should be for anybody listening. The dude had it's not insane. If season. you look at just the stats alone, it's an open and shut case. Open and shut I case. mean, uh, Ant Man yeah. is just far and away played better basketball. Agreed. And here's the thing that I think I've been thinking about this a lot. I don't think he's going to win it. I do think it is probably going to go to LaMelo. And that's just because he has been a celebrity for a very long time in a sense. And he's been built up to be like this next kind of flashy player. And the way that he plays on court, his passing, he does a lot of really cool stuff. He's an interesting player that way. But I've been thinking about this a lot. And like, if you're trying to build the league and the league of the NBA is built around its players, they are the stars. They are the league. It's the players. And you want personalities. ESPN, TNT, the NBA have put their stock into the wrong guy just based on personality alone. Just listen to the after, after game press conferences, Anthony Edwards, all you need. he has more star <laughs> status, more like, star appeal more charisma in his small pinky toe than Lamelo does in his whole body Lamelo has been so under the spotlight since he was such a young age that he's turned into like kind of like a zion or like a lebron where like they're just kind of boring they because they have to be because all eyes are on you you can't you can't mess up you have to be you got to say the right things all the time you always have to be a professional and i think lamelo is like that he's just so uninteresting the way that he plays is interesting and he's in charlotte i guess they like charlotte cuz it's connected to mj you always want mj but like anthony edwards is so much more entertaining and if it's somebody that you're going to try to build the league around i would much rather have anthony edwards than i would lamelo just based on personality alone and ability to give a good press on, press conference. Like every single press conference, he said something fun. Like so every funny. single time. Like, <laughs> like he's just absolutely electric. And it's like he's getting totally overlooked because people didn't really know anything about him when the season started. And so all of the same ideas about him have persisted over the course of a full year. But if anybody was paying attention, they would know that this kid is a star. Like he's already a star. So I, I just think whoever wins the award, it doesn't matter to me. I'm, I believe what I believe. I'm very happy that the Wolves of Anthony Edwards, and even more so after finding out what kind of guy he is this season, like he's going to be so much fun, uh, both on and off the court for, uh, for a, hopefully a really long time for the Wolves. Yeah, and just kind of a caveat, whether he wins it or not, it's just nice that the Wolves hit on their pick. Mm, agreed. Like, it's just because it was way back to episode one. Nobody knew anything. No. Who no one knew what these guys were going to be. Turned out we picked the right guy. Picked the right guy. All right. I think that'll probably be a wrap for this week's mini market podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Sorry it was just Lucas and I. Again, we're, we're going to have man, we <laughs> we're going to have a conversation with the other members about commitment that kind of thing. Um, we'll see if I'm back next week. I don't know if I can work with people like this. Uh, it was probably tough for you coming back. I mean, you probably need another vacation. Yeah, I probably will have to take one. Who knows? I'm kind of circling the, uh, the Colorado, like the Rocky mountains seem interesting to me. I might pop over there at some point when I'm back. You know, you've done each coast. Yeah. now. You might as well kind of see the middle making of the your way, making your way back. Yeah. Um, slowly, yeah. but give us a follow at tell sports on Twitter. That's at tell sports on Twitter. 
check out our blog. There's always some interesting stuff out there. Um, it's tellemsports.com. And if you would, we love it when you like, subscribe, follow. And uh, one love going out to all the people in the world. Mahalo for listening. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.